You're listening to Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, the behind-the-scenes show that brings you an earnest, sometimes brutal look at Hollywood gossip, entertainment news, celebrities, and the reality shows you love and love to hate. Each week, we'll bring you gossip, interviews, updates, and the pitfalls of fame as we see them. Welcome, Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, with your host, Ed Brophy, the guy who loves to let everyone know what's on his mind. Thank you for listening to today's Shaggin' on the Red Carpet, and don't forget to subscribe. Now, let's dish. So, hi, Aviva. Thanks for joining me today. How are you? I'm terrific. Thank you for having me. Oh, I've been waiting for this one because I've been watching the titter, Twitter, titter, whoo, Twitter tantrum. <laughs> a Twitter war. You know what? I don't even consider it a war because I don't really think you've engaged all that much. This is true. I have I have barely uh, been engaging with uh, Carol's vitriol. My big question, and I think we should get the tantrum out of the way, is we know on this week's show that you tell Ramona that you heard from someone, and I forget mm-hmm. the gentleman's name, but that you heard from someone that she had used a ghostwriter. I don't know what the big deal is about ghostwriters. Almost every writer I know uses a ghostwriter. So for my question to you is, was that done out of a spiteful thing or was it just like a casual conversation like, oh, I heard this? It was 100% a casual conversation. I did not know that this would lead to everybody knowing what I, you know, everybody in the group knowing about this. You know, I didn't, I really didn't know that. I was just really, um, there's a a lunch that Carol and I had, and it was a, I felt that Carol was very nasty and condescending to me. And at that lunch, Carol brings up to me uh, the subject of, the process of my book and if I had a ghostwriter and uh, I was really taken aback and I went to meet Ramona to taste some wines and I just was sharing it with her it wasn't there was no ill intent on my part it may have been you know poor judgment but it wasn't it, I didn't you know I didn't expect it to be such a big deal because I like you don't think it's a big deal to have a ghostwriter I mean Hillary Clinton had three ghostwriters and I mean- no one would say that Hillary didn't write her book Right. And who who doesn't have ghostwriters today? I mean, and it's not that the ghostwriter, and I think a lot of people are confused what the term ghostwriter mean, means, is the ghostwriter isn't writing the book for you. You're giving them the information and they're crafting it so it's readable. Correct. Correct. There are, I mean, I think that they come in all different shapes and sizes. I think some of them, you know, do, you know, write the book for a celebrity and, and they just put their stamp on it. Some of the you know, I think it's there's there's many different ways to, to to spin that wheel, don't you think? Oh, I think there are many many different ways. Like with Brandy Glanville, for example, her co-writer's name right. has been on the book during the summer here over the holidays. I forget exactly when, but there was a big thing about oh, Brandy used a ghostwriter, but Brandy didn't use a ghostwriter. She has a co-writer, and I think what? it's a perfect example of Brandy had the information. Lord knows, if I sat down to write a book, I probably would need someone to clean it up. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Yes. Uh, and especially when you're writing about your own life, when I I was writing about my own life and I needed, you know, help to know what was interesting and what was not interesting. 
you know, in what order to put it in? Where should I start? You know? Right. You know, so yeah, 100%. And I'm very, very impressed by the team of people who helped me with my book. And I'm, I'm very grateful to them. You know, maybe I should have put them on the cover. I don't know. But, you know, I, I don't think that um, Carol is as forthcoming as I am. That was a nice way of saying that. Also with Carol and the whole writer thing is back in episode one, their premiere, you talked to her about, you know, the book and editing and, and maybe reading it for you and whatnot. And she made this big deal kind of at the party. How dare you ask her that And you, when you guys haven't been talking? And then you read her Bravo blog and she admits in her Bravo blog to offering you help. Oh, I mean, that was just ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, Carol writes in her, Bra- in her Bravo blog that she hadn't seen me since the reunion and that I hadn't, thank- I hadn't congratulated her on her book deal. And I don't know what she's talking about because... I saw her, uh, our reunion we taped in September of 2012, and I had lunch with Carol at the Monkey Bar in New York City around March, April of 2013, and we started filming around the end of May 2013. I had a whole lunch with her where I congratulated her on her book deal face-to-face, and I, you know, asked her all about the potential, you know, TV show or movie being made out of it. And, you know, I've always applauded Carol. I just don't know what she's talking about, you know, in her, and, and she, she, she basically lied, which I find disconcerting, but what can you do? My description of Carol, and I've, you know, not only seen her on the show, but in other interviews, I just don't think she has, and I'm looking for the correct word. How about the patience for other people? She gets agitated quickly with people. Maybe that 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 that's yeah. I mean, I can I can see that. I can see that. Or if it's not, you know, if things are not her way, um, she gets agitated. I mean, when I went out to her at the party, first of all, you know, what you don't see, of course, are the five minutes of hi, how are you? Nice to see you. What's going on? You know, what you see is me lunging into. Oh, let's talk about our book. Carol said on camera, you know, that I was being whatever selfish to ask her to help me edit my book, edit my book. And I was really, really just saying like, hey, you know, you're an author and, you know, I'm writing my first book, you know, would you have a look? And, you know, last season we did, we filmed a scene where I showed her something I had written before and she suggested to me that I write a book on camera. It never made it off the editing floor, but, she, you know, Season five, she was very encouraging to me and very kind and um, and very supportive as a as a as a woman. And I was just very taken aback in the beginning, uh, you know, as to how she was treating me. Well, I bet you at the reunion that piece makes it off the editing floor. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I have to ask because everybody wants to know. They want to know: Is this little war that you have going on with Carol? Is it true, or is it an attempt to? increase the ratings because the you know simon who does his bravo ratings blog has come out and posted the ratings and the ratings were a little down for the premiere right you know well we've been off for a long time and i think that you know people need to you know get back into real housewives of new york but no carol and i um carol and i are really not speaking and we haven't we really didn't speak during filming after this this you know Bookgate war that you see. We're we're not we're not speaking. But she's uh, she's far more furious at me than I am at her. It's getting a little tedious watching the <laughs> tweets come by. And with Heather, I've kind of noticed Heather has kind of backed off since last Wednesday Thursday. How are right. you guys doing? 
You know, Heather and I, I think, have a a love-hate relationship. You know, we're bonded by the fact that we're in this journey together and we're on this show together and we both came on as as newbies together. But I think that we... um, we, you know, disagree on, on on things. And, you know, last year, you know, and she's just really, really um, sort of, I feel like she is blindly, um, really blindly attached at the hip to Carol. And it's just like, you know, I'm going to protect Carol no matter what. And there's just no real, you know, that that's her. I think that she and Carol are trying to be like Sonia and Ramona, um, desperately. Yeah, you can't and, recreate an original. Right, right. I mean, I hope it works out for them, but I think that's sort of what what they they did. They did it. They sort of, you know, worked together. When we did the, you know, the Bravo contracts, they worked together and left me out with the contracts. I guess because I was, you know, the villain of last season, they just decided to together sort of pounce on me, right, right, entering the season six. And I'm personally not a big fan of piling on. Well, for the viewers, I can tell you, after the jersey and then atlanta and now beverly hills and now you guys are coming back with the gang up it's like yeah we get real tired of seeing that you know for a lot of people the draw for beverly hills was the opulent lifestyle and you know yolanda foster's fridge has its own twitter and right just the fighting is getting ridiculous for the viewer and they're expressing that to bravo and you know i don't know that they listen to it or whatnot and carlos king who's taken over atlanta has said you know they've complained to him about the fighting he goes but you guys are all still tuning in and yes we love the drama mm-hmm. a little different you know geographically each area has its reputation and for new york and beverly hills i think it would be more about the opulent lifestyle and particularly in new york you've got so much going on in new york from entertainment to business to you know, you name it. And so I think people want to see more of actually the New York lifestyle, which is how, you know, the franchises started out. It was all about the rich women and OC and the viewers are getting tired of that. And we kind of hope Bravo's listening. Now, here's here's the catch 22. Um, yes, when it gets too dark and the fighting, you know, drags on and on, people don't like it. But when there is no fighting, People say it's boring. So I think, you know, Bravo and Bravo production and and the cast, we all try to find this delicate balance of keeping it entertaining, keeping it interesting, but also not overdoing it. And, you know, I certainly overdid it last year with the whole white trash, you know, the white trash anxiety thing. But, you know, and I think that that's, it's just a very tough balance to, keep people entertained and to keep it interesting but not to overdo it and it's it's so hard it's just so hard to do that i would love this show to be more of a sex in the city type show and i wish that people would be drawn more to our giggles and laughs but unfortunately those moments get edited out what stays in more is the drama drama sells i mean definitely and it does last season yeah you were a little crazy there at the end Mm, yes, but, yes, and I couldn't be that crazy all on my own. You know, that took a team. Oh, <laughs> that uh, took a team of people to make that happen. You know, but it was it really what it was the promo for the whole show. You know, all season long it was you know why is Eva calling them white trash? Why is he calling them white trash? And what happened? And you know, it was just I definitely you know pushed the drama too far. I think the editors did as well, and you know I just think it was just went too far. Well, you know, I'll give you an example. I was you know. After St. Bart's, in every single scene, I was asked to repeat what happened in St. Bart's. And I figured that they would just take the best take. I had no idea they were going to string them all together 
and made me look like I was talking about it ad nauseum, you know? Right, right. Look, everything in life, everything you see on television is produced, whether it, whether it's the channel, you know, ABC News, NBC News, CNN, a documentary, everything is produced. You know, I couldn't pull off that crazy by myself. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's, it's, and it's also an evolution. I think the show is changing at first. You know, I don't, I don't know what people really want today. I just think that the fighting is what people are getting tired of. But, you know, we all tune in to see the fights. Now, you know, last year, last season, it was your scary island moment in St. Bart's. And this Uh season, what are they putting out there? The very first thing they put out there was the leg on the floor. Mm, Right. And I have to say about the leg, though, this is what made me fall even more in love with you (laughs) after the show is on Twitter. I would occasionally drop some leg jokes. And you would jump right in. You weren't even following me. And you would jump right in there and, and hit me back oh. with something funny. And I love people who can make fun of themselves. Oh, that's so nice to say, Ed. Thank you. You know, I think that the one thing that does separate me from some members of the cast is that I really don't take myself seriously. And I love to poke fun at myself. And, you know, this is not 60 Minutes. This is a reality show on a cable network. And I signed up for this. And I need to be able to enjoy it and laugh at myself and laugh with everybody and it really is funny and actually I think that was sort of the effort you know that's sort of why our taglines are so silly because it's sort of a reflection on us being able to make fun of ourselves and I love making fun of myself so please feel free to make fun of me anytime you want wait you have to my motto in life is you have to laugh at yourself before someone else does it for you yeah absolutely absolutely so definitely and and I love making fun of my leg because it's fun it's funny it's it's not a big deal you know well, you can't make fun of really serious things <laughs> if you're if you can't laugh you're going to be miserable and i can see and not just in the new york franchise you can see in some of the other franchises the women who are unable to laugh at themselves you can really see that they're miserable deep down right yeah a hundred percent and you know i i you know i don't want to i don't want to further the the bookgate situation but maybe Carol needs to lighten up a little bit. Oh, I can agree with that. Carly and I, the co-host for Real Housewives of New York podcast, when we were sitting on Twitter Wednesday after the show and we're watching this and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. And then Heather's jumping in and I'm like, are we in junior high? I mean, we're not even, first of all, Bookgate hadn't even aired. I know, it hasn't even aired. And she's bringing it up on Twitter, which... You know, I know you guys aren't allowed to talk about things that have happened in future episodes. It's like for me, I, one of my things I said to Carly at the premiere after the premiere episode was, "I really hope that's Aviva's leg, and I really hope that it shows it hanging out of the toes, hanging out of Heather's mouth." I mean, I really <laughs> hope she got it that far. Oh, that is so funny. And and I, I think as <laughs> viewers, and maybe because I know you know, a couple of the the ladies from different franchises is the viewers don't understand that, okay, you're going to meet meet Ramona. And Ramona may have just had lunch with, and I'm not saying this has happened, people, I'm just using a what if, Mm. is that Ramona just had lunch with, let me use Sonia, because I adore Sonia too, had lunch with Sonia. And Sonia said something, maybe not off color, but your name came up. And I know that production does it, and they'll go, well, Aviva, Amonis, Ramona was with Sonia, and Sonia said da-da-da-da-da-da-da, in order to get you worked up to make the scene more exciting to the viewer. I know that happens. You don't have to confirm or deny, but okay. I've heard from other okay. people that it happens. Okay. Your book, 
Yes. Well, I guess it was Carol, but unless the writing you showed Carol wasn't it. But what prompted you to write the book? You know, I um, I never, I you know, we we only live once, and I wanted my life to be a meaningful one, and I felt that by sharing my story, you know, my story in writing without Bravo editing and you know without all the nonsense and the drama, I felt that it would help people, and if I could help people, then it would have made my life uh, more meaningful beyond you know my um my work with uh, the physically disabled and raising my children and all the rest of it my my life my personal life has been very has been very much filled with a lot of drama and craziness and i wanted to share that and disability is not just physical it's uh emotional familial uh financial it's so many things and you know luckily for me i uh i've had all of those things uh, challenged in my life. So there's really something in the book for everyone. It's not just for amputees and it's not just for, you know, those getting through a a, a physical challenge. I've, I've had it all. So I felt it was it was very relatable. Speaking of, of amputees, I want to clear one thing up and I'm going to ask direct from the horse's mouth. Okay. The Boston bombing, you went and you worked with a lot of people. You funded all of that and I heard it may have come somewhere close to the million dollar mark that you funded all that work you did out of your own pocket. True no, 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 no. Oh God, no, no, no. There's a huge um, organization for, for Boston. I, um, the, some, some hospitals called me and said that some of the women were asking for the housewife lady with no leg. And I uh, flew up there uh, without Reed by myself. I flew up to Boston and I visited the hospitals and I, um, I've been, you know, I built relationships relationships with women since then, but through uh, two organizations that I work with, um, one is called the Step Ahead and one is called the Challenged Athletes Foundation, we have been, uh, you know, giving legs away to the victims, I call them survivors, and we will continue to do so. And, um, and I've, been in, I've been involving the women into my, my two amputee organizations, One Step Ahead and uh, Challenged Athletes Foundation. Heilman DZL on Twitter, she wants to know how you mix your philanthropy, since we're on this, and raising a family with all the madness from the Real Housewives of New York. And she hashtagged that you're her role model. Aw, that's so sweet. So how I mix them? How do I, how do I, like, how do, how do I do juggle all? Them? How do I juggle? Um, well, I, first of all, I, I'm, a, I'm a great compartmentalizer. I compartmentalize everything. All the good stuff is, you know, in one area and all the, the, the noise is in another. And um, I really just take it a day at a time. I, um, I really tackle every day as it comes. I try not to be too much of a planner. Otherwise, I'll get really overwhelmed. And again, I never take, you know, as far as the drama and the show and the noise, I just, to me, it's a small piece of entertainment that I'm happy to be a part of. If it can offer someone, you know, an escape from their day for 44 minutes, then I've done my job. And if somebody at home is watching who has, you know, acne or their boobs are too ball, too big or their boobs are too small or they feel too tall or too short or they are facing a physical adversity or whatever it is and they look at me and say, gee, you know what? If that silly blonde nut job can go and do this, then I can go do that. And if I've accomplished that, then you know what? I'm really happy. And, you know, the other thing is the juggle of the three, of the philanthropy, my kids, and the show, the bottom line is I just don't do any of it really well. (laughs) Probably 
a mediocre reality personality and a, an okay mom and an okay philanthropist. I, I could probably, if I just picked out one, I would excel at it better. <laughs> but that's what keeps life interesting. Right, that's true. It's true. It keeps it, it keeps it all fun and it keeps it moving. Ellen RJA wants to know how the accident, I'm assuming she's talking about your leg. Yes. Since that seems to be the focus of Aviva, I look much higher up than that. I'm a boob man myself. Oh, never mind. <laughs> Reed, I didn't say that out loud. Um, how your accident has affected you as a mother. For example, how do you deal with that line between understandably being overproductive and encouraging independence? I attribute this to sheer luck. But for some reason, I do not project my life experiences onto my children at all. And even my wonderful uh, doctor said to me that he, he looked at me one day and he's like, you know, you're, I just, you're so neurotic. I can't believe that you're, you're, you, you, you're such a great mom and you don't project this stuff on them. I just, I think that, um, you know, my accident and the post-traumatic stress disorder that lingered, it's my own problem. And I think that in my psyche, I always believed that if this could happen to me, if such a traumatic accident could happen to me, then Anything could happen to me. And I never developed that sort of carefree, I can do anything, you know, attitude that most people have when they're young. I was always, you know, more reserved. Right. But with my kids, I have a very normal, very, 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 very relaxed attitude towards them. I don't know why. I'm just not, I don't think like, oh my God, if my son goes to someone's house, you know, or if he goes somewhere, I start thinking, is he going to have an accident? Is he going to have, a, I just don't. I don't have the fatalist thinking about my children that I have had in the past about myself. You know what I mean? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, could this be the reverse happening where instead of being so overly protective, right, you have done so well with coping, even though you had some post-traumatic, but with coping and going right. on with life that you've done so well at it that you're just basically thinking, well, if something happens to them, they can bounce back and be as successful as I've been. You know, that that could be it. That's a very, very good way to explain it. And also, you know, ev to me, everything is reversible. You know, unless you're you're under the ground, 10 feet under, everything, anything is possible. So, you know, I'm not you know, I remember the one thing that I've been nervous about with my kids, it's the one thing is if I go out to dinner, you know, and I leave the children with a babysitter, I'm not worried about them falling and breaking bones or cutting themselves and getting stitches. What I'm nervous about is choking. What if they choke on food? Does the babysitter know how to give the Heimlich? Like that's because that takes three minutes and you're dead. Right. So, you know, it's it's those kinds of things that it's that's, that's like the, I remember when my kids were babies, that was the one thing I was I made sure that the, you know, any babysitter knew how to give the Heimlich maneuver and I only dwell on things that are irreversible. I don't dwell on, I'm I'm you know, I'm very optimistic about things that are reversible and that are fixable. I think that's a great way to go about it. I was with American Airlines when 9/11 happened, so I knew the crews on both planes. Wow. And wow. I'm not I don't dwell on that. I don't I don't worry about that kind of stuff. Like I live my life. I'm always aware of my surroundings. But I live my life with a very much a excuse the French, I don't give a fuck attitude. Yes. Yes. And you have to. And it's like your father. I know your father causes a lot of drama. And that is my father has such an I don't give a fuck attitude. That is my father. That is that that really does personify my father. That that statement. 
people are like they're surprised that I like your father and it's it's we spend so much time I think even more so now as I'm older we spend so much time being trying to be so politically correct and not telling people the truth I kind of live my life with the rule of the three F's. If you aren't feeding, fucking, or financing me, your opinion of me means nothing to me. Like you oh, can't, I love that. You cannot tell me how to live my life. It's true. So many people want to tell you, but if you ask them a question, they're not going to give you the true answer because they're afraid of, of hurting your feelings. Right. And Hot right. Catfish Dog on Twitter has said about your father that he reminds him so much of her grandfather and he was such a caring and giving man and that you're lucky to have your father. Right. And... For your father's great one-liners, as inappropriate as some people may find them, I don't think that... I, I, I see him as that caring and giving person. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to see a lot of him this season, and he has his own storyline. Well, I won't um, tell you what my favorite line is already this season. <laughs> you know, my father... Oh, there's so many more. I know what you're talking about. There's so many more. It's scary. My father is wildly inappropriate. And he embarrasses me all the time. You know, I find it amazing. I, I'm not surprised that many people love him. And I'm not surprised that many people loathe him. And that makes for a great TV, by the way. Right. Um, to have such controversy. But what I am absolutely shocked and, and, and actually the one thing, if you, want to, if you want to know what my Achilles heel is on this show, it's that how dare anybody blame me for my father's actions. And I'm just tired of it. You know, well, I find that to be really annoying. I, 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 I didn't raise him. You know, you can, you know I, I can blame him for my actions, but you can't blame me for his. Well, I, I think people are always looking for a scapegoat because I have the same thing is that I don't hold back punches. Like, I'll say what I'm thinking. Right. And I've gotten probably a little more like your father as I've gotten older. Right. And right, right. I've just come to the point where I hit 50 last month. I just come to the point where I really, if you don't want to know the truth, then don't ask me the questions because I'm going to tell you, I just don't have time to pussyfoot around and make you feel better. That's not my job. My job is to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And my mother is 78 years old and she tends to pretty much say what's on her mind as well. And right. people look at me and they're like, oh, and I'm like, no, that's, you are free to speak your mind. And I live by the the words of what I said didn't hurt your feelings. You allow, or the words I used didn't hurt your feelings. You allowed what I said to hurt your feelings. I wasn't coming from a place of being mean. I was just speaking the truth as I see it. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that you're spot on and your ability to see um, where my father is coming from is just brilliant. Um, and that is exactly what he says to me when I challenge him and I'm like, what are you saying? He's like, what do you want me to do? Lie? You know, and I don't have time. Um, you're, you're, you're spot on. And, you know, he's, you know, look, very, um, he's, he, he's a hundred times worse this season than last. So we're, we're, we really better buckle up for this one. <laughs> but he's, I think he's found his niche. So I think maybe he's turning it up a notch or two and putting it in high definition. A hundred percent putting it on high definition. A hundred percent. And then... One hundred percent. The biggest question I got, which is from every housewife loves to hate her, is Miss Amia Says on Twitter. Okay. I don't know who she is. Oh, uh, you know who she is. I, it's it's uh, reality TV scandals. You, you'll recognize okay. the handle. I probably read... I, I may have read them. Okay. All right. She says, what did Bravo TV make you take out of your book 
and why? If they made you take anything out of your book, did they get to review the book? Before oh you yeah, published? no, yeah, of course, yes, yeah. My whole, my my any any um any chapters on housewives had to go into the to the Bravo legal team, and um you know they took um they took they I I had a whole um really cool chapter written about housewives that was you know much richer than what you're seeing now, and uh, it's because they crossed a lot of it out. Mm. Um, but it was nothing that it was nothing that extraordinary. Uh, what I had written. It was like, you know, things like, um, like they were nice things, but I guess they just don't want to be, I think they want to keep all the Bravo information to themselves, like they don't want to share it. Right. It wasn't anything, it was like, you know, Andy has been really kind to me, and there were some conversations that I had had with Andy that were crossed out. Um, Any reference to other housewives, any reference uh, at all, positive or, you know, it was crossed out. You can't talk about other housewives in your book. Uh, so does this book. mean we're going to get a book two from you with after the housewives, you're done with the housewives, and we'll get all the inside scoop according to Aviva? No, it would be interesting, right? It would be, it would be interesting to Wait. write about, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just, you know, still thinking about book this book. <laughs> we'll see. Um, I think people are so... What else they crossed out? Like, people are um, really desperate to know the the and I'll do air quotes truth behind how the housewives are filmed and what's done and you know I know a little bit because I have friends that are housewives and it, it's uh you know it's it's gray it's not black and white it's not black and white see it's maybe gray. there's a show oh. we should pitch behind <laughs> the scenes with the housewives and we yeah, can film I like the filming it. I like it I like it so real quick I want to go back to the Twitter tantrum and Amanda Sanders, she put out a tweet that said she'd like to clear this up. She was never hired as your stylist, and she's a celebrity stylist at her firm. And you have Heather, who's saying that you were lying and you told her until episode four she was your friend through Harry. And Carol had some bullshit to say in her blog about her that kind of made you look like you were desperate for attention, and so you brought your stylist to the party. Who exactly is Amanda Sanders. Uh, Amanda Sanders is a celebrity stylist who I guess she's also an image consultant, although I'm not really sure what that is exactly. And she um, was brought on by production to be a cast member on The Real Housewives of New York. It wasn't clear as to whether she was going to be, you know, a friend like the way, you know, other housewives evolve into or the way Brandy Glanville started out or if she was going to be an actual housewife. You know, Carol and Heather are on this campaign to call me a liar because I divulged things that I heard about Carol's book. And uh, right or wrong, whether I should or should not have divulged that information, I'm not lying about it. If they're going to discredit me, they should at least tell the truth themselves. And they know darn well that Amanda Sanders is not my image consultant, that I didn't bring my image consultant to a party. I mean, that just makes me sound like such a goofball. And I've never hired an, uh, an image consultant, and I never would hire an image consultant. You know, and she's great at what she does, Amanda, but it's just not something that's on the top of my list. You know, she points people in the direction of like a trainer or a great wardrobe or I guess she's, I mean, she'll, if you need to get your teeth whitened, she'll get you, you know, those kinds of resources. But I, I'm, I grew up here in New York City. So I don't, I, I would never hire, a, 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 you know, an image consultant to find out where to go shopping or you know, how to get my teeth whiter or whatever. So I just didn't appreciate the blatant lie uh, made by Carol and Heather and trying to make me look goofy. Well, you look goofy all on your own, so. <laughs> exactly. 
exactly. I don't need their help looking goofy. Exactly. I do that. Very well said. Thank you. Well, like I said earlier, (laughs) it's just really too much. And the teeth whitening thing, you know what? People spend a ton of money on that crest or Listerine bullshit, the whitening stuff. Just go buy a $1.99 bottle of hydrogen peroxide. That's what's in the crest whitening and the Listerine whitening. It's all hydrogen peroxide. And it's sweet. And it's sweetened up so that it doesn't taste bad, but plain hydrogen peroxide really doesn't have a flavor to it. So that's what I use. There you go. I love it. And it's also good for sore throats. Yeah. Hydrogen peroxide is one of the greatest secrets around it's it's a great cleaning agent for surfaces it, it does so many one it's wonderful yeah. carpet gets stains out of carpets yeah i love it so. i love it all right let's talk harry dubin for a minute because i know that you have to go so then we'll have to wrap this one up but let's talk harry dubin for a minute who let's just make it easy who on the housewives hasn't been romantically involved with him i know that you have sonia has and i believe Luann, Luann has Right. I well, I was married to him. <laughs> and I have a child with him. But he also was romantically involved with Luann and Sonia. You know, this season you'll see his relationship with Sonia um, and what happens there. And uh, yeah, that's Harry. <laughs> Harry is a single playboy in New York City having a good time. So no different than a single playboy in LA having a good time. Exactly. Exactly. So you have the new drink, Viva yes, Calm. Yes, I... Yes, I have. Um, so in addition to my book, Leggy Blonde, I have a product coming out at um, in April. It's called VivaCom, and it's a powder that is uh, composed of magnesium, potassium, and vitamin D3, which is really healthy for you and very, very uh, calming. It's an anti-stress drink. It helps you sleep. It just helps you stay chill with no side effects like uh, medication. And I developed it with uh, the Vitamin King, Keith Frankel. He owns VitaQuest. Also, Tom Dowd. Tom Dowd is the CEO of GNC, and the product will be carried exclusively in GNC around the country for three months. You can get your hands on it in April. And then Leggy Blonde, we can get on Leggy Amazon. Blonde, you can get on Amazon.com or any any local bookstore, and of course on any any e-commerce. Very last question: Any regrets with doing the Housewives? No, no regrets at all. I don't believe in regrets. It's been an incredible experience, incredible to have so many doors open for me, and to have this front row seat to pop culture, and it's. It's been incredible, and most importantly, I have had the honor to help other people on a very large platform and to read letters every day saying, I saw you on TV getting into a pool, and I just lost my leg, and I thought my life was over, and you gave me hope, is worth every minute of this very silly television show. I have no regrets whatsoever. Speaking of survivors, and I was watching Dancing with the Stars for the first time ever, Amy Purdy, double amputee. Did you see her last night? I did. Isn't that incredible? I thought she got ripped off with those eights. She should have gotten nines. I know. I I know. She was one of the best dancers out there last night. I know. I mean, I think all the people are incredible. But I, I am not surprised because I have seen that people with missing limbs can do these things you know i i mean i don't think it's like i'm not in awe you know i'm proud that she's out there and she's setting an example 
for other people. And I'm, you know, so happy that she's doing it. But I know that life without limbs is limitless and that physically and emotionally and you can do you can do anything that anybody else can do. And that's why I go on this show and that's why I wrote the book to send the message of hope and, and also to share my mistakes and to share all my crazy stories so that, you know, hopefully people can uh, avoid making the same ones that I did. Can we replace of hope with of triumph instead of hope? Because it's only your mind that limits you. It's true. It's true. 100%. And Absolutely. I, I'll say triumph. And then I ask everybody this one. What do you have to say to your haters out there? Oh, do I have haters? Okay, dislikers. <laughs> oh, my dislike. Oh, well, I would, first of all, I would say thank you because, you know, they are the people that keep me in business a lot of the time. And their vitriol, you know, and they're talking about all of us housewives is what fuels the fire. So I thank them. And uh, the other thing I would just also say besides thank you is that my heart goes out to them because I feel that anybody who would take the time to hate uh, somebody that they don't know or from a distance where they can't be seen must be in pain. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to them. What is next for Aviva Drescher? Coming up next is VivaCom. <laughs> That's coming up next. And uh, I try not to look too far in advance because I, I get overwhelmed. So it's really, people ask me all the time, are you going to do this show again? Even my girlfriends in real life, are you going to do this show again? And I, I just don't look that far in advance. The, the next thing I have, February 25th was book launch. March 11th was the show air date, and April will be VivaCom uh, being available to everybody at GNC. So that's what is next. <laughs> so you very much are a compartmentalist, as you said earlier. All the fans that are going to be at the Reality Wanted Awards, I saw you tweet about them yesterday. Are you going to be in L.A. April 17th for the Reality Wanted Awards? I don't think so. You never know because sometimes I get called to do, you know, book signings and book readings and, and, and you, you never know. But as of right now, no. Well, I want to thank you for being so open and free <laughs> and just really having a conversation, less of an interview, more of a conversation, which I love. I want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for joining us. And then you're going to join Carly and I on a future episode of the Real Housewives of New York podcast. Amazing. And and thank you, Ed, for your time and your interest in my silly life and show. I really, really appreciate it. It has been all of my pleasure, and you have soared above my expectations. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. Remember, you can follow Aviva on Twitter at Aviva Drescher. You can catch up with everything Aviva at avivadrescher.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at brofe. And if you like our shows and want to support us and you shop at Amazon, please do your shopping through amazon.tvfishbowl.com. It helps support the show and helps us keep the lights on. Until next time, I'm Ed and have a great day.